Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. It's been a while. It's season three, episode 50. First time reaching the 50 mark. Um, excited about that. Yeah, big five zero. Yeah. Um, my name is Brian Lamar. This is producer Brian. Thanks for listening. We're going to be a big, big news episode today. And um, if you want, you can follow us on Twitter, IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com or EMI underscore research on Twitter. That first one was our email. That wasn't a Twitter account, but you can follow. also follow us on Twitter and Telecast One. And you can leave us a voicemail or text, 513-401-5463. A lot of news, Brian. We haven't talked in a while. I don't think we've recorded in at least two weeks. I know. It, I was just thinking. It's been two weeks and you forgot how to do the intro. Yeah, it doesn't take long. It only took me two months to learn how to do it in the first place. But yeah. You know, I think we've been really busy. I think the industry has been really, really busy, which is awesome. Talking to somebody today from Dynata, very busy, similar story. And so that has really inhibited our ability to record a lot of podcasts like we did earlier in the year. That and Thanksgiving. Yep. Well, there's a holiday, major holiday um, last week. So um, well, I'm glad to be back. It's, it's good to record. And there also hasn't been like a major news story or anything. There's a lot of minor news stories, but nothing major, right? Right. I would think so. At least in the research world. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I, I mean, the biggest news story, we won't cover election stuff, because, but that vaccine announcement. So yeah. we have Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, all of them coming up. 92 of the three are 90% plus effective yeah i mean this is this is such amazing news you know oh man it's just you know now the this logistics and i think the, all three will get the approvals and you know logistically it's going to be a huge challenge to try to get vaccinated not just in america but globally and um you know next will be who is going to be prioritized by state and what about kids and how long does it last and should we still wear masks and you know all of those things which to me that's the next phase of you know moving on to to a better place of normalcy and it just provides so much hope and light at the end of the tunnel and Especially that there's not just one, there's not just two, there's three. Like every, all these big major companies are having a lot of successes. I also read, maybe you read this too, Brian, um, that a lot of the things that they've done for coronavirus, you know, they've moved mountains and they've done a lot of things to try to expedite this vaccine and all the research on it, right? But they've made a lot of progress, like in cancer research, I read, and that they think that based upon what they're learning, today with all of the science going on that we're going to be so much closer to finding a cure to cancer. And so there's probably going to be some positives that come out of this uh, medically beyond just, you know, fixing or doing the best we can towards the coronavirus. I think that you'll see hopefully a lot of the bureaucracy that was in the past about vaccinations. Um, hopefully that's been improved upon too. And so, yeah, so I spoke a lot there. What are your thoughts? I think it, I agree with your point. You had it right on. It is the light at the end of the tunnel. Just thinking about it, I saw the cancer stuff you talked about, but the other stuff I saw was how a couple of these vaccines were developed was a new way of yeah. looking at vaccines that's going to like revolutionize how how vaccines going forward are going to be developed. Yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, so 
I'm, there has to be some positives that come out of this, and I hope that that is one of them. Um, yeah, I didn't go through this for not. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw this morning a news article that said that the expectation is that the U.S., everybody in the U.S. will have been vaccinated by June. That was the goal. Yeah, that seems, um, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I trust that, I feel like a lot of the things that we heard was going on behind the scenes, now we're seeing a little bit of proof of that. I mean, whether you believe in government or Trump or anything, that's a whole separate argument. But it looks like the private industry has really moved quick. And I think I saw that one of the companies, I think it was AstraZeneca, did a practice delivery of vaccinations because I'm not sure if that's the one that has to remain at a certain temperature, but they did a bunch of private, just dry run to deliver the stuff just to work out any final kinks that once it's approved, they can immediately get it on a plane or a truck or whatever, however they get it to the pharmacies or the doctor's offices or hospitals. So I, it's kind of a cool story. Like some, at some point in the future, we'll figure out all the things that happen to make this, you know, happen. You know, we're getting a little bit of a before the horse, but I, I assume in the next two weeks, this thing's going to really start moving. Along that lines, I saw the article that I think it's Pfizer has already chartered a couple, like uh, several American Airlines planes to shuttle the vaccine from the Netherlands. Like, yep, this is what we're doing just to get it, get it across the pond. It's just, I don't know when you, this is what I was hoping we'd have. I don't know, like as a nation, not only we do not, did we not rally around a common cause, the last six months have been divisive in a variety of ways, like not just politically, but coronavirus has been divisive enough, right? Yeah. Maybe we can all rally around, well, that's cool. Like a private company has booked a private jet to get it as fast as possible to people. That's pretty cool. Like no one's going to, there's nothing to argue about. Well, I say that maybe some people will find something to argue about, but like, that's pretty cool that, I don't know. I want to. I want to say it's American. It's, it's so like America to do this, but it's not just America. It's this is a global issue, and a lot of these companies are global. And you mentioned the Netherlands, so it's obviously being produced outside of America. But it feels like an American might kind of situation where we will hire private jets and we will deliver it basically to to the doctors. Right. I mean, I mean, here in Ohio, we're expected to get the first round of our first round of doses in 14 days. Like they said, he's the governor's been up there saying, Hey, December 15th is the first round. I think they said it's 30,000 doses, but it's really only for 15,000 people because it's two doses you need. Yeah. But in that, it's just a matter of who's going to get it first. I think, what was it? Kentucky, their governor said, Hey, we're going to target nursing homes first. I understand that. You're getting a lot. That's a the most vulnerable population. My personal opinion, I think you need to get the frontline people, the nurses, the doctors, people working in the hospital that are having to take care of all of these patients, and maybe your ones that are maybe in the ICU and then the nursing homes. Yeah. Just because I forget which one. It might be the Moderna one. I'm not positive. Hopefully, don't hold me to this. But one was like ninety, like four percent effective in preventing. And the, it would, but it was a hundred percent effective in making sure that you didn't get a severe case. So even if you have it, this will make sure that it's just a mild case. And it was a hundred percent. I'm like, okay, yeah, I we can do this. 
Yeah, those are staggering numbers. Like, I think people would have been happy with 50% effective, and 70, 80, 90% is, is, is amazing. And then you get the mid-90s. That's like, that's pretty, about as close to perfect as you can get. Um, yeah, I agree with your kind of order of operations in terms of who gets it. And, you know, it's the most vulnerable. It's the healthcare workers. It's the first responders. You know, we could go down the list and then we'll all argue over, you know, the rest of us will argue over whether they're going to get the vaccine or not until we people get at high them. risk, people that fall in that yeah. high risk category because they have other health issues. Yeah. I, I assume like my children and me probably aren't getting it till like May, June ish. Yeah. We're young, we're healthy, no underlying medical conditions. I'm not a frontline or a healthcare worker. Yeah, I'm probably last in line. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I can right. wear my mask for another six months. Not that big a deal. Right. But yeah, big news. And then I see in your notes, does that mean we'll have in-person conferences next year? Oh. If we want to bring it back to the market research side, yeah. I had a conversation yesterday about an in-person conference, and we're moving forward. And we're moving forward, I think, at least for the Insights Association, we're looking at October, November. Um, okay. I think that some will try to maybe press it into July, August, but I think next fall is really when people are going to start trying to do in person. Um, we're, we even talked about okay, we're gonna we're thinking of this date. What about is the CRC? What about TMRE? You know, we're, we're having conversations about we don't we want to avoid other conferences, but I think everybody's going to try to do something yeah. in person. September, October, November, December next year. It's going to be a free-for-all. Yeah, I think you're going to see conferences like every other week. I know yeah. – I think it's Quirks that already has their Chicago and New York conferences booked, and I want to say it's October and December. I'm positive about December. The October one is I'm a little iffy. I don't have it right in front of me, but I mean they already – and this has been out for like a month or so. Like, yep, we're going to do it at the end of the year. You have other ones that are going to the end of the year, like, oh, okay. You're just gonna that are normally your January, February, March time frame that it's just let's push them to the end. Does that mean it's a reset of what the conference calendar looks like then too? If everyone's pushing them to the end of the year, it's not like, yeah. oh, well, twenty twenty two, we're gonna have it. You just saw me at Quirk Chicago in September, but guess what? You're gonna come see me again in January. I, yeah. I don't see that happening. So is this now I mean they're permanently fall conferences now? Oh, I think I think this will be the aberration. Twenty twenty one will just be getting back on our feet and we'll go back into a routine in twenty twenty two, but that's who knows. I'm looking at the dates now. Yeah, you're right. London, July of twenty twenty one, New York, August of twenty twenty one, Chicago, December of twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's uh, people are already putting at least on the calendar. That's good that they're putting yeah. on the calendar, so we can all kind of try to avoid those dates and spread it out. But I'm I can't tell you how excited I am to um, go to a conference, and I think that um, I think we'll at least have one in Cincinnati that I'm aware of. Um, it's not official, but I think we'll have one in Cincinnati next fall. Okay, which will be great to at least have one local too. So that'll help. Yeah. For the travel, right? So some people might be comfortable going to, with a group of people, but they might, may not be comfortable getting on a plane and a hotel and all the logistics around that. But they'll go to sit in a room with a hundred people, maybe. I think that um, at least we're talking about having in person along with virtual at the same time, which I think everyone will do next year. Mm -hmm. 
So, but yeah, this I think conferences will be in full swing. Next fall is going to be crazy because you'll have 20 conferences and everybody looking to go to as many as possible at the same time period. Yeah, as long as we have, as long as vaccines are working, we've got this under control. I would expect that the conferences next fall, every single one may be setting attendance records just because yeah, well, everyone's yeah. going to want to get out. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, though, we're going to be in the planning stages. I mean, if if you go to a conference, these things are planned sometimes a year in advance, right? And so, I mean, people are going to be planning fall conferences in the spring. And there will be, at that point, there will still be social distancing and limitations around crowd sizes, probably. And so it's already going to be put into the planning, um, all the safety measures, which I guess it's easier to bring in more people than to cut back. So I think, too, though, by that point in the spring, I mean, you're getting most states are getting their first round of doses this month. You're going to see if it's working or not. Yeah, I think by spring, yeah. If the numbers are still skyrocketing, we're no, we're not having them. But as you see them getting more and more and it's coming out and you're seeing them going down and down, oh yeah. Yeah. That means full steam ahead. Yeah, if there's if there's a lot of positive momentum because you would think by spring also it's starting to get warmer, um which will in theory help a little bit regardless. Um, so by spring, I think we'll have a really good idea of the future by spring. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my other question with this vaccination news is, are we going to see another big swing in consumer behavior that we saw over the last couple months where a lot more online buying and things like that? Or is it more of a return to normal or just a pendulum swing that – I'm going to forego online buying and DoorDash and all of it and streaming. And I'm going to be in movie theaters. I'm going to restaurants. I'm going to be in person more. Yeah. That kind of thing. Are we going to see it? Is it going to a hybrid of that? Are we going to see it balance out a little bit or is a pendulum just going to swing the opposite direction? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I hate to make predictions because if you listen to our episodes and, February and probably into March, they were probably, we should probably bury those things because. Yeah, I feel like I should almost delete them. We we were mocking, I think, coronavirus at one point, which in retrospect. I do believe so. I do believe so. (laughs) Yeah, we were obviously way off on our predictions there. Um, I think it'll be a combination of things. I think a lot of people will want to go back to normal as fast as possible. And some people will kind of enjoy the new, whatever we're going through now. Um, Yeah, I think it'll be a mix. I, I agree. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think some things have changed and they're going to remain that way. And I think some things will go back, even if it's a variation. Like there's going to be some variation of business travel. But you know what? It's been six, seven months now of Zoom calls and that's become normal. And I think you're going to see a lot less maybe business travel. Like, yeah, oh, think- if you're going to have to do so- this over the... You're going to do Zoom calls and things like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I do know I am done. I am so over Zoom calls. I'm ready to get in person. I'm sure everybody is ready to. Yeah. I don't know. I want to see, you know, the whole airport, hotel, new city, meeting new people, 
it's just kind of fun, and I've really missed out on that. So I'm hoping that I'm I'm hoping that um, we're in a step in the right direction. Yeah, and that that'll help also. Just if we want to talk economy wise too, people getting back out there because you have people going out to eat more, getting back on planes, going to hotels, visiting tourist attractions. Because we're talking like all those industries have just been decimated. Yep. So. Yep. All right, well, let's move on to some market research news. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, uh, we had a little news the, for Intellicast here. Um, Feedspot, a blog, put out a new blog of the top 20 market research podcasts, and we were number three. You know, it's about time we got some respect. For a long time, we were never listed among the top podcasts. And we're one of the oldest. I mean, we've done close to 150 episodes now. Yeah, so good feed spot, good job. Jamin, market research, happy market research was number one. Obviously, he's a legend, so it's hard to beat him. Euromonitor is well, very well known, and then we're listed as number three. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna assume they're rank ordered. That seems about I, so right. Am I. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> and then you know, there's a bunch of others that you know the normal ones. Uh, but you know, this is global. There's a, there's a lot of like UK podcast yeah. that were listed which i thought was pretty cool um a ton of them and some uh, most of these i'd never even heard of before yeah same here there's we there's several familiar names uh and then there was a lot of like huh didn't know about that one didn't know about that one and i'll put a link in our show notes so um everyone yeah. can go re- check that out yeah data gurus is listed and it's obviously great and the research rock star she does an amazing job with that one the PRS in Vivo is amazing. MR Explorer is awesome. Um, Audible Insights from Insights Association. Um, so a lot of good ones. And a lot of these UK ones I'd never heard of before. So I'm excited to kind of listen to a few more. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some market research news. Okay. That was news. Yeah, that was. Uh, first up, Thrive Plan has rebranded as Alpha Diver. Alpha Diver. Uh, you know, at first I thought it was Alpha Driver, but Alpha Diver. I mean, Thrive Plan is a local company that we're very friendly with. They're not too far from us. Uh, they're kind of geniuses. If you um, are familiar with like neuroscience, I mean, they're very, very smart people there. Um, and so good for them to rebrand as Alpha Diver. Um, they've been around for quite a while and just kind of rebranding a little bit. So alpha-diver.com is their is their website. And I, you know, I almost thought if you remember a few months ago, we talked to Roddy Knowles and they changed from alpha was, is their new name feedback loop? I think feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah. So we lost an alpha. Now we gave an alpha. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's like in hockey, if you get traded at a new team and you need, and you're a star player, but a lower level player has your number and you have to like give them a, buy them a watch or something like that to get the number. Yeah. So is that, did, did some money go somewhere to get that name? Uh, yeah. or some handshake agreement. Yeah. But um, I'm happy for them. They're very, like I said, the neuroscience part of market research is fascinating to me. Um, super smart. They talk about subconscious and conscious and go to their website, just check it out and you'll be kind of blown away. So good for them. Yeah. Next story, 
Apple has confirmed plans to launch a new anti-tracking feature that will prevent apps and websites from monitoring behavior. Yeah, this is really interesting to me, and it affects our world a little bit. You know, we do a lot of metering. If you're not familiar with metering, metering basically tracks what you do on a phone, and um, brands can kind of leverage that to see, you know, if you're buying a new bed, do you go to a website? Do you go to how many mattress stores do you go to? Do you search on a browser? Do you download an app? Do you go to Consumer Reports? What do you do? Um, to try to understand that path. That's just one example of what we do for metering. There's a million of them. Will metering be affected by this? And also we profile a lot by device. So we have information about panelists um, that when they use, let's just say an iPhone, that's what I use. What other apps do you have? Do you have Spotify? Do you have Netflix? Do you have whatever? And then we can profile based on that. So if a client says, I want to talk to 300 people that um, have Hulu, well, we can kind of target. And so if there is going to be kind of an anti-tracking feature, and it talked about Facebook later on in the article as well, um, through Apple and other apps, um, as we're going down this path of privacy and a step in respondents owning and controlling their own data, um, it affects our world quite a bit. Now, it could be positive um, because maybe I can opt in. Hey, you can track me, but I'm what? you know, 30 bucks a month, or I only want to let you have this amount of information, or I'll watch ads, but you got to start paying me. I don't know, but this is a step that I think is a good thing for consumers and a good thing uh, potentially for our industry. Um, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I agree. Um, I like it from a consumer perspective. It kind of gets, you can kind of put this in with Google's stance of cookies and that they're going to be going away from cookies in the next couple of years. So it's, it also leads to additional innovation of keeping people, keeping privacy and things like that. But I can see where there can be some difficulties. I'm thinking like data quality stuff for studies of if you've cookied of, cookie to device and to know when they're cut. Co- oh, they came back in through a different panel. Oh, look, they've already been cookied. Yep. We can keep them out. That's going to force us. And there's it's two sides to the innovation coin in this that, okay, yeah, it's going to stop us from doing the current method, but it's also going to force us to innovate, to come up with a new method, which is probably going to be a better method. Yep. Absolutely. Completely agree. Yeah. Interesting thing to keep an eye on is all of this privacy data ownership and this is another piece of the puzzle that thing, little things are happening in our industry that we should kind of keep an eye on. And you'll see companies pivot a little bit. Yep. Uh, next story. According to Kantar's Global Business Compass, UK businesses reduced their market research spending by 37% in 2020 due to COVID-19, where 38% of businesses maintained their market research buddy budget, 9% increased. And then overall marketing budgets were cut by an average of 57%. Yeah, this is, I found this really interesting too. It's UK based, but I think it, the numbers wouldn't vary that much in the US. No. I think, you know, we've always heard that marketing and advertising are usually the first things that are kind of cut during global challenges like this. So this isn't super surprising. What else do I think here? And I think, I think it's going to re it's going to lead to like a reallocation of how brands think about their marketing, advertising, and research budgets, which is could be a good thing because I think that 
we've kind of been in this, let's just do the same thing we did last year and let's grow our budget. Let's extend our budget by five or 10% a year. And I think we'll get more strategic. Now dollars might shift from one area to another, but I think that we'll have more focus and this could end up being a good thing. When I'm looking at it, I find it interesting that market research on average was only cut 37%, but overall marketing budgets were 57%. Yeah. So that's a bigger cut there. So that means organizations, while they were cutting marketing, you know what? We need to, we'll cut a little bit of the market research, but we still need to understand that. And I kind of understand the 57% average of if you yeah. are heavy in in-person events and that kind of stuff, yeah, your budget got cut. I mean, we had conference budget. We cut all that. We're not going anywhere. And, you know, I would assume I'm making a big assumption here, Brian. You might want to correct me. With all of the lack of sporting events and big events, ad rates probably went down, right? So you could probably extend normal dollar for advertising further than you could in the past because you're not spending a ton of money on, you know, the World Series like you did in the past because, you know, less viewership and less big events like the Oscars, right? Um Maybe you could do that. You could extend it a little bit, and maybe you're still cutting 57%, but maybe you're getting 80% of what you got last year from it. And I think that from the research part, people valued the insights and the opportunity value of this is an opportunity as the economy is shifting and people's behaviors are changing that we need to learn, gain insights so that we can leverage it as a brand and be ahead of our competition as things shift. That's how I that's how I think about it too. I I agree with you on portions of that, but I'm going to expand it not just the sporting events. Yeah. Overall, and I've told you about this. I find the TV ad and measuring things super interesting. Yeah. The overall upfronts were canceled this year because that's normally in May. So, and you had a little bit of a revolt by advertisers for networks not wanting to. They were asking for an increase, and they just advertisers just outright refused right. because viewership was down a lot of network content got stopped so it was no new content going out so now what are you going to do so it gave them an opportunity to start looking at other avenues of advertising so well yeah i might not put a commercial on tv on the network on hey, let's call it the nba games that were supposed to be in may and june I'm going to go and maybe digital. And you know what? Digital's cheaper than putting a commercial on TV. So while that budget, I may have spent money, I I probably spent it somewhere else and inve- investigated different avenues of where to reach my consumers because of, as we've talked about, the big changes in consumer behavior. Hey, they're not going out. Well, why would I spend in-store stuff? People aren't going out. I'm going to I'm gonna adjust. Where are they? Well, they're on the internet. They're streaming stuff. Okay, well, I need to shift that way. So that's my two cents in it. Oh, I like it. Good. Good two cents. And that might explain why the marketing budgets or the market research budgets weren't cut as much because you still need to understand. It might be – it's probably smaller projects, but understanding, all right, my consumers aren't here normally and I can't run a thing on – just think like airlines. They're probably not running tracking studies on that because no one's flying. Yeah. Okay. But I still need to understand what, when do they think they might fly? What are those conditions? These are smaller, smaller, lower budget studies, but they're still studies. Yep. So 
keeping in line with that, um, the next story, COVID-19 has wiped out more than $63 billion from global from the global advertising market. The recovery is expected to take at least two years, according to Wark's Global Advertising Trends Report. Again, not that surprising. Yeah, the one thing I didn't – I don't know if I agree with is it said that it'll take at least two years um, to recover. I don't know if I agree with that. I um, I think that we're ripe for a huge influx of money from a marketing and advertising component starting pretty soon. And I think it'll it'll come back much quicker than that. I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's back within six months. But I think, if anything, it'll reallocate – how people are spending the money, definitely um, more digital and probably less like traditional advertising. Um, but I think that it'll recover pretty quick. I think the other piece of that too, though, um, I would say it's probably going to take longer than six months just because it's also going to be industry specific because you have big spenders of in the hospitality industry, travel industry, restaurant industry. Those are big, heavy spenders and all three are currently impacted, particularly airlines. I mean, most airlines aren't expecting f- their travel rates to go back to 2019 levels for like three to five years. So, yeah. I mean, I can see some of those heavy hitters aren't going to be spent, aren't going to go back to their previous year's spending levels because they don't have the revenue to go with that. So, I think it, I can see the two year and maybe. I think some of it will shift to other areas spending more, but I think it'll take longer than six months. Well, I do, I do think that for some industries, it'll certainly be challenging, but there are a lot of winners in this too. Um, I mean, imagine, I don't know how much Amazon stock price and a lot of the dot-com stock price have gone up. And so they can spend a ton of money if they choose to, um, so it'll just be shifting, I think, across industry as well. But certainly some industries will take, they'll never recover. Right. Um, just thinking about it, like it's also, this gets a little bit off this point, but a lot of industries had to innovate quickly to go to consumer demand with like delivery or contactless pickup and stuff like that. You're Almost everybody has, oh, I can do, con- we'll do contactless pick, your contactless pickup. I mean- we're seeing that for dominoes now. I the the people who revolutionized pizza pizza delivery. Yep. So new new types of drive-throughs and carryouts and yep. I mean, if you're building a restaurant now, you better have a pretty um, pretty large carryout slash pickup area. Um, yeah, that's going to be the focus probably for a lot of new restaurants. It'll be you really interesting. I'm wondering if we're going to see restaurants that more restaurants that maybe are only takeout and delivery only where, hey, I'm going to reduce my space and just get the kitchen and just run it from, hey, you can come pick it up here. Or we've partnered with DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, you name you name your favorite. So that's what I think that's what's going to happen. I think we'll see more of those. All right. That was a rabbit hole I didn't mean to go down. Sorry. <laughs> Leisure has acquired Ontario-based market research firm SmartPoint Research, increasing their size of their LEO panel and supplementing its panel and healthcare professional panels to broaden its healthcare offering. First off, I love that you called it Leisure. 
They're <laughs> it's Canadian. It's probably got some French to it. It's Leger. I think is how they pronounce it. And I think is you saw it was Ontario based. That's probably why you said that. Um, yep. I thought Quebec-based. They, they did have a huge Quebec pre- presence. Um, so I think the guy who started Leger is a French guy named Leger. But, uh, you know, they're a pretty big panel in Canada. They're pretty well-known. And I'm not very familiar with Smart Point Research, but they've been around for a while, um, 13 years. So good for them. And so nice little acquisition there. Um, oh, there it is, Jean-Marc Leger. Yep. So, yep, French-Canadian. Probably a hockey fan. Do you think he likes the Nordiques or the um, Canadians? I bet, he, I bet he's a Nordiques fan. You, you mean the Colorado Avalanche? The Nordiques haven't been around since I was in grade school. Well, this Jean-Marc Leger has been around for quite a while. He has over 25 years of experience in consulting and research. <laughs> so I bet he's an old-school Quebec Nordiques fan. And you know what? We should have him as a guest. <laughs> Let's bring on Jean-Marc and talk about who his favorite hockey team is. I bet it's Quebec. You're you, you're putting money on Montreal Canadiens, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the Habs. <laughs> and if it is, I'm not talking to him. He's a sworn enemy then. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Hockey talk. We got some hockey talk on the podcast. I, it's, I know, it's a rare time. I know. It's rare. Well, you got a Canadian story here and a French Canadian. So that really lends itself to it. Um, yep. But the people there are really smart, and we've been fans of theirs for a long time, so good for them. Continues the um, acquisition theme. Yeah. Our final story, uh, this came out this morning as we were recording. The Insights Association has formed the IDEA Council, which is the Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access Council, and charged it with a mission to deliver measurement, education, and standards of excellence to address lack of representation in the populations it researches and in the profession. One of the founding board, we'll call it. Is that right? Idea Council, I guess is what they're calling it. One of the, yeah, one of the founding council members is IntelliCast friend Damon Jones. Yeah, so obviously, if he wasn't on it, we would be bashing this association because he deserves to be on it. Um, big year for Damon, by the way. Um, good for him. Other than the Bengals, um, but happy for Damon to be on this, and also I'm fortunate to serve on in the Unsights Association, our chapter with Sherry Dansby, who's also amazing. She's on our diversity committee, which was, by the way, was the first committee um, within the Insights Association that had one. So I'm glad that we have a couple of our uh, members on the national organization, and it's a lot of people. I don't know a lot of these people's names, but maybe I shouldn't. Uh, Melanie Courtright obviously is on it as the CEO of the Insights Association. And then you have a a big group, a mixture of suppliers and brands. And so you have somebody from Schlesinger, L'Oreal, Prudential, um, QRCA, Gongos, Ipsos, Burke, Chadwick Martin Bailey, um, BET, Accenture. So some big brand names, both inside and outside of market research. And I'm super excited about this because we need it. And um, interested to see what, what they accomplish, which I think will be a lot. Yeah. I think you said it best there. Cool, thanks. I think that rounds it out for our news. We do have one, we do have a couple announcements first. First off, the Insights Marketing Day is coming up on December 10th. 
and I will actually be on one of the panels. Oh, man, I can't wait for this panel. First speaking appearance for me. Um, it's kind of weird. I'm normally behind the scenes, so this is going to be a little interesting for me. Yeah. Who? But Do you know off the top of your head who else is on this panel? So Jeffrey Hazlett, he is a the founder of C-Suite Network and C-Suite Radio. There, He has a couple podcasts. He talks on TV a lot. Um, he is actually, he has a podcast network that has like 10 different top 200 podcasts that are the members of. Okay. So, I mean, uh, Z Johnson, who yeah. does MRX Explorer, correct? Yeah, she's amazing. And it will be moderated by former Intellicast host, Mr. Adam Jolly. Well, man, world's colliding here. So I know. Adam Jolly, who works at Survey Monkey. And he'll be moderating Jeffrey Hazlett, um, yourself, and Z Johnson. Man, what an awesome thing. That's um, 3.30, it looks like, 3.30 p.m. Oh, that's central. Yep. Um, maybe 4.30 p.m. It's 4.30 4 p.m., and we'll also have the team from Little Bird on there as well, Priscilla and Ashley. So, Oh, my gosh. This yeah. is like must-listen-to or must-see conference, I think, just on that alone. Yeah, this conference itself, it has a pretty good lineup. It's going to cover just about everything from how entertainment has changed due to the due to the pandemic and how people in that role, people in those roles are looking at it from a market research perspective. We have panelists uh, from BET, from Netflix, from Roku. I mean, you're talking big names there. How, how to do better digital transformation pieces, also how to get your best out of your virtual events. Yeah. There's some stuff about pivoting from in-person marketing strategies to digital. Uh, I mean, if you are marketing in the market research space, this is probably a must-attend conference. I know it is for me. This will be the second time I'm attending, and I'm so. Yeah, and also you get Kristen Luck, who's amazing, and a former um, interviewee on our podcast. Matt Gersher from Green Book is going to be speaking. Um, some other awesome speakers. And tell me more. I'm looking at this um, your pod your your panel that you're on. It's an hour and a half. I know it's going to be a Man, long one. We're going to go deep in podcasting. That's awesome. I know. I just hope my children don't come storming into the office during this. I don't know <laughs> if I if I have to make this day as a day I go down to the office. So. Oh boy, that's in the yeah. Well, I think that'll be exciting. I'm excited to um, see what Adam Jolly how he tries to stump you in the panel, and no, I think y'all have fun, and that'll be really really cool. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, then I would definitely attend this. Yeah, and we are actually the podcast sponsor for this event as well. So, a little preview: we're going to be having a few of the speakers from Insights Marketing Day coming up on a future episode here. Yes, we're planning in the planning stages now, and um, I like when we do this. We do this like once or twice a year. We'll interview a bunch of speakers at a conference and get to know them, and it's it's a lot of people that I normally wouldn't honestly get to meet. Um, so it's good to get to know these unique people. And if you're speaking at a conference, then you're probably talented and an expert in some way. And so, yeah, that that should be coming in the next couple episodes. Yeah. Um, and to learn more, we have a message from our friends at Little Bird Marketing. So we'll go ahead and give let them give you some more information on it. 
Okay, awesome. Insights Marketing Day is back. This one-day virtual event will be packed full of industry-leading speakers providing essential tips and tools to improve your company's marketing. From social to web, blogging to podcasting, we'll cover a range of topics that need to be addressed for a successful, comprehensive, and interconnected marketing plan. We'll talk big picture with strategy and annual content calendars down to granular level micro actions so you leave informed and inspired. If you're ready to get a jump start on your 2021 marketing goals, you need to attend Insights Marketing Day. Visit insights-marketing.org. Use the code PERCH, P-E-R-C-H, at checkout for 20% off your ticket price. See you there. All right. And in our final announcement today, just encourage everyone to download the our most recent white paper, Strategic Sample Blending, the best the new best practice for tracking studies, if you haven't already, because we're coming up to what, near the end of tracker renewal season? Yeah, a lot of trackers are um, renewing now. Um, they're by calendar year, but some of them go other time periods. So it's always a good time. And there's no better time to download that report than now, regardless of where you're at with your tracker, because we, I think we have a lot of good advice and information in there for just about anybody um, that would apply not just to tracking studies, but it's primarily focused on, on tracking studies. So go get it. It's free. Yeah, that covers everything. I mean, this is the first time since we've recorded since, what, early November? It's been a while, and this is a long one. If you're still listening, man, we appreciate it. You hung in there. This is why we're the number three podcast in the world, and regardless of industry. And so, Brian, thank you for this. You put together an awesome rundown. Um, I think this is a good episode, and we look forward to talking about it in the future. And go sign up for Insights Marketing Day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.